As you see, we're wrapping up I Discipleship. This is our last week, week five. It's been a, it's been a good trip. I've enjoyed it a lot. Uh, tonight, if you are a note taker, I'm kind of doing the opposite of what I did two weeks ago. There will be no slides tonight. Uh, so if you want, Simon, you could switch to the black slide. Tonight, I really want you guys to spend more on focusing and thinking about the topic than just seeing and reading it. And you can still take notes. You're more than free to. Uh, but tonight, what I want to start with, and you can turn there if you want. I'm going to read it here from my Bible. Uh, but I want to start by reading Luke 19, uh, verses 1 through 10 to you guys. And so here we, we come into part of Jesus' ministry, and he's actually traveling to, to, to Jericho. And some of you may know right now what the story is, but it reads, He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, this being the crowd that was around Jesus, right? And they said, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone or of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I wanted to start with this because I think it's, it's one of the best illustrations for what I want to talk tonight about. Uh, it's a really interesting story. We, we've probably all heard this. As a matter of fact, has anyone in here never heard this story or never had anybody tell it to them? Right, it, it's probably one of the most common Sunday school stories that we hear. But I want to take a second to look at this in its core elements here, right? We have Jesus. He started his ministry. He went out. He got his 12 disciples. And he began going through all these towns in Israel. And, and he works his way all the way through to Jerusalem. And here he's just passing through Jericho, right? And as he's passing through, there just happens to be this tax collector. As a matter of fact, it says that he's the chief tax collector of Jericho, meaning that out of all the tax collectors... He's one of the big shots in town. He's the guy who kind of oversees and helps run everything. And, and when you compare these two people, you've got the man, the son of God, who's going on and doing this ministry, and it's the purpose of his life, and he knows what's coming for him at the end of it. And then you've got Zacchaeus, right? The tax collector. And at the time, tax collectors, most of you have probably heard or, or know this, but they weren't exactly the best people. They were seen as cheers or swindlers or thieves even, because they would impose higher taxes than what they were actually supposed to. And that extra money they'd take and they'd keep for themselves. What, what I like about this interaction is they don't really know each other, right? Jesus is coming into the town and he's just passing through. He sees Zacchaeus in a tree and he asks him to come down. And Zacchaeus has just heard of who Jesus is and he's interested and intrigued by him and wants to meet him and see him if he can. But aside from that, they are complete strangers. They don't know each other. And what happens here, I think, is extraordinary. Jesus comes through the town. He stops and he says, Zacchaeus, 
I'm going to spend my day with you, right? Today I will go to your house. And Zacchaeus, who, who is a sinner amongst the eyes of everybody in the crowd, as it says, they grumbled and said, he is going to spend it with a sinner, right? Jesus spent his entire day with him. And then what happens? After spending the day with him, we see Zacchaeus says, he stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I have, I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. We see this story, Jesus comes in, interacts with a stranger, spends his life with him, gets to know him, and his life is changed. And he decides to give up what he has to do what's right, to follow Jesus. And then Jesus tells him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of men came to seek and to save the lost. What a cool story. Like, I understand we've all heard that many times, but actually think about that. Think about going up, just talking to some random stranger, and their life being changed. Like, it doesn't seem very difficult, but if you actually thought about trying to do it, it kind of becomes a little daunting. And so tonight, what we're going to talk about as we wrap up here in the I Discipleship series is about doing just that, about going out and evangelize, about going out and sharing the gospel with others. And so I'm going to do something a little different tonight, and I'm going to give you all a challenge. And, and my challenge, I've, I've given this once before, but it's to go talk to someone you normally wouldn't. Zacchaeus was a guy who most people, when they saw him on the street, when they came into contact with him at the local market, would go the other way. He wasn't who everybody wanted to talk to. He wasn't the person that everybody wanted to hang out with. But when Jesus actually got to know him, actually interacted with him in his life, there was a drastic change. And I want to start by sharing a little bit about this in my own life. Um, when I was your guys' age, and it's still true now, I am and was terrible at conversation. Many of you have probably experienced this. I'm really good at teaching. I'm really good in discussion. But if you try to get me to do small talk, it's, in my opinion, it's terrible. I have no idea what to say. I don't know what to start. But when I was your guys' age, uh, despite this, I probably had the most interaction and conversations with complete strangers than any other time I've ever ever experienced in my entire life. And, and looking back on it, it doesn't make any sense on how I came to that, how that started for me. And there's a reason behind it. But when I was your guys' age, I went to Westside. How many people in here go to Westside? I know there's some. I see them. I see them. Yep. When I went to Westside High School uh, in my junior and senior year, and you guys may know this who go there, you can get a pass to leave school. If you don't have classes, or, or they call them mods then, not a period, you can get a pass to leave school your junior and senior year. There's three major requirements. One, you have to keep your grades up to some extent. Two, you have to be a good student. You don't go to the dean's office every other day. And three, you have to sign up for random state drug testing. I signed up, and I would leave school almost every single day. And I used that pass, and I loved it. And I would go across the street, and I'd go sit. There was a Starbucks over there. There was a small French local bakery behind that. There was a grocery store. Everybody loved to go to. And I would usually go hang out over there, do my homework. And once I was done, I'd usually spend some of my time reading my Bible. But one day, I thought to myself, I see the same people every single time. 
right? You, you do this for a couple weeks, and you begin to realize that guy was here last time. That was the same barista, right? Like, I've seen that group of people before. And so, somehow, this terrified, introverted 16-year-old Kesselon decided to try to talk to these people. And I have no idea to this day why. But looking back on it, it makes so much sense. At the time, God was doing something in my life. And so, even though I was terrified, I decided to try to start these conversations. And so, whenever I would start, I'd sit there, whoever was next to me, whether it was a, a college student, uh, a farmer, believe it or not, we had farmers in the middle of Omaha, Nebraska, constantly coming in, uh, businessmen, or, or even my own peers, my own high school students. And I would sit there, and I'd start thinking in my head, and I'd say, okay, how do I start this? What can I do to begin the conversation? If I want to talk with them about God, do I just start with that? And before I realized it, I began trying to talk myself out of it in this time span that seemed like an eternity in my head. I began saying, well, I'm really young. This guy looks like he's 50. He was probably only like 30. But how do I begin talking to him when I'm only 16? Or I'd say to myself, I have no idea what his life's like. How do I know the right words to say to him? And eventually I just said, this seems silly. I stopped and I thought for a second, all this person is next to me is just that, a person. Just like me. They've lived life. They have experiences. And at bare minimum, I think we can all agree that everybody is trying to live their life as best as they can. And if I interact with them in a good way, more likely than not, they'll interact with me in a good way. And so with that in mind, I built the courage one day, and there was a college student sitting next to me, and I said, hello. And he looked at me like I was crazy. But it was well worth it because he replied. He said, hello. And I said, what are you studying? And he began to tell me what he was studying, why he was studying it, and it took a little bit for me to get him to actually talk with me because Let's be honest, that's weird. How many of you would go to a Starbucks, sit down for an hour, and begin talking to the person who's been sitting next to you for an hour? It's not exactly a common thing to do today. But as we began to talk about it, I asked him why he wanted to study that. What drew him into that? And before I knew it, I was talking about why he thought it was the best thing to do for his life. What was his purpose? What did he believe the reason behind doing this. And when we got to the conclusion of the conversation, I had got to hear everything that he thought was good in his life. And I got to hear why he wanted to live it that way. And usually, if I got that far in the conversation, and I didn't always, a lot of times, they'd tell me no. They'd say, sorry, I'm working. I can't talk to you right now. I'm really busy. But if I actually got the conversation started, they'd stop and they'd say, why did you say hello? Why did you decide to talk to me? And that's when I thought to myself, why did I start doing this? What brought this up? And I came to realize it's because I wanted to share something with them. I wanted to share not only my life with them, but I wanted to share the gospel with them. And through a simple hello is how it all began. And, and it wouldn't always make an impact in their life. As a matter of fact, most of the time, they disagreed with me. Most of the time, they thought that my beliefs weren't right. 
They didn't like what I had to say. But despite that, at the end of all of these conversations, if I made it that far, almost every single one of me, of one of them, thanked me and ended up just thanking me for beginning the conversation. Because that time at Starbucks could have been spent just sitting next to him, right? Never talking to him, never saying a word. But instead, because I shared my life with them, because I opened up and spent my time with them and got to know them and why they live life and shared why I live life and how I feel about that, they were unbelievably taken back and enjoyed it. And many of them, I was able to share the gospel. Not that it made a life-changing impact always, but I changed their view of a simple conversation in Starbucks with a Christian. I changed their view of just living life to a small extent. And so you're not always going to be able to go out there and start a great conversation and have it change their life immediately. And I don't want you to think of this as some awesome act of bravery from a 16-year-old high school Kesselon, because trust me, I was not in any way. But I was terrified. I sat there with sweaty palms, working up the courage to just say hello every single time. And so what I want to encourage us in tonight is this. I want you to be able to step past that, to get out of that moment in your head where you're trying to decide if this is what you're supposed to do, to start that conversation. Maybe it's with your peer. Maybe it's with a businessman. Maybe it's with some random farmer who's at a Starbucks. But I want you to say to yourself, I want to have this conversation for a reason. And so we all know that we should do this to some extent. We, we've all heard stories. I read it two weeks ago, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, which I'm going to read here again in a moment. But we all know that we're called to do this. And so, like I said, in Matthew 28, you can turn there if you want. Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. We get to see Jesus himself and what he tells his disciples to do specifically. And so it reads, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Right? This is the great commission. I have read this many times up here. Brad's read it many times up here. Because it's oh so important. And it's asking us to go out and start those conversations. You don't have to go out and just begin telling them the gospel. But you can share life with them. However, as I remember in high school, oftentimes I had trouble doing this. Like I said, I was terrified. And the first things that would pop to my, to my mind usually would be that I don't know what to say. Right? Or, or like I said earlier, I was too young. Right? I, I had conversations with some 60-year-old guys. I had no idea how much life experience they had compared to me. I had no idea how I was going to be able to relate being 16. Or, or that someone else out there is better. That Brad needs to come into that coffee shop and have that conversation. Because I'm not ready. I'm inexperienced. I don't know what to do. And so instead of starting such a conversation with those around us, we can oftentimes end up missing that moment letting it slip by, and then saying, oh well, next time. And we start to think, 
How should we have started the conversation? How do I start the next one? What do we say to them to bring up the gospel? And what if I say something wrong, right? What, what if I say something wrong? And so, really what I want to bring up tonight is some encouragement for you guys in this. And so, we're going to be looking here at Jeremiah. So, if you want, you can turn there. And we're going to be looking at Jeremiah's call into mission, to, to be a prophet. And when Jeremiah starts, he's estimated to be about the age of 13 to 18, about the age of a high school student. He's referred to as a young boy many times throughout it. And so what we see here is God is determined to restore Israel through a new government because of disobedience to him. And we're going to be looking at Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10 specifically. And so turn there and it reads, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah responds, Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and to say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I have appointed you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. What I want you guys to look at here is look at the first two verses, four and five. Here we see that God is talking to him, right? And we see here that he's giving him a purpose, a task that we can relate to. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, right? This sounds a lot like Matthew 28. Before we ever came into the world, God had a plan for our lives, and he wanted us to be in his kingdom and to go out and share that with other people. And that's exactly what he's asking Jeremiah to do. But Jeremiah responds. He says, alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. He's scared. He doesn't know what to say to these kings of these nations, these rulers of armies, thousands. He doesn't know how to approach them. He's afraid that he's too young. He doesn't have wisdom or experience. God responds with two sections here. We look at verse 7 and verse 8. He says, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Here we see that he gives him a rock of courage, a foundation that he doesn't need to be afraid. It's not a problem if you're too young, he says. Don't say I am too young. He says, go to everyone that I send you. And then he says, don't be afraid of me or of them, for I am with you and will rescue you. If you encounter hardship, if you don't know what to say in a conversation, if one of those people is mean or angry to you, it's not going to be a problem because God is there. And then not only that, We see that he responds by giving him encouragement in what to say. And that's verse 9 and verse 10. He says, The Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms, uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Guys, God gives us the words to say. God does the work in their lives and in their hearts. I can't change anything in someone's life. I can't change anything in their heart. But if I start that conversation, 
and I let God use me, then so much can be done in their life and so much can be changed. And so here we see the story of a young boy, no older than a school student, who's being called to go to kings, who's being called to go to rulers and share God's will with them. Now, I'm not telling you that what you need to do is march up to the president's office, sit down with Trump, and tell him the gospel flat out. But what I am saying is look around you. Look at the opportunities that God has put right next to you. And don't sit there thinking to myself, I don't know the words to say, I'm too young. But get out of that mindset in your own head. Trust God. Trust his words. And so whether it's a fellow classmate, a friend, an adult, maybe even a farmer, we need to be willing. You need to be willing to take that step past those sweaty palms and actually start that conversation that can change their life. I want you to think about everyone that you know, everyone you've ever interacted with. Maybe it's that classmate. Maybe a coworker. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a farmer. Think about everyone in your life. Think about maybe that weird kid who nobody else wants to talk to because he's a thief. And I want you to think about who you want to start an intentional conversation with. 